You know, I promised you when I started this podcast that we were going to have some honest and frank conversations, hard-hitting conversations, conversations that a lot of folks are not having today. And today is one of those chats. You know, I'm not one of those types of people that wants to point fingers and play the whole gotcha game. And my goal is to make the United States of America the greatest nation the world has ever seen for everyone. I believe that. I want others to believe that as well. Others who live in this country know this. Okay. Most every great civilization that has ever existed in the history of the world, most every one of those civilizations has been toppled, not from outside, not from a conquering power, but from within. Most every great civilization has been toppled from within. And if you don't see the air marks of that happening here in the United States right now, you're blind. From race to the economic divide in this country, to the threat of socialism, to our moral decline, to something that we've already talked about, the decline of the American family, we've got issues, okay? We've got issues in this country. Those issues we've got to deal with, and I do think we eventually will succeed and rise above it. But in order to do that, in order for that to happen, we got to come together as a nation. That starts with understanding each other. That starts with the conversation that we're having right now, not yelling at one another. Enough! <laughs> Enough of the yelling at one another. Civil conversation. We got to have those conversations, honest and frank conversations. And other than the pandemic, race has really been at the forefront of a lot of those national conversations over the last several months. The death of George Floyd in Minneapolis really was the spark to ignite this country in so many ways, from protests to riots to looting. Uh, it set off a lot of bad stuff. Okay, now, not, not necessarily the peaceful protest, mind you, but it set off a lot of bad stuff. And yet I've seen a lot of good stuff, too. I read over the weekend where the best college football player in the country, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson University, along with other college football players, came together and announced this five-step course of action. Now, there are some out there who, when they hear about athletes stepping up and making social statements, they kind of roll their eyes, you know, as if to say, okay, here we go again. I don't mind when athletes take social stances. I don't mind that they do this. As long as they are educated on the topic, they are using their platform for good. So I don't mind that at all. Now, as long as they're educated, they can communicate their cause. I don't have an issue with it because sports has been a great catalyst for social change in this country. See Jackie Robinson back in, in the, uh, the mid to late 1940s, the first black player in Major League Baseball. So I read this five-step plan by Trevor Lawrence and these college football players, and, and I think it's a good one. Number one, ensure all of our teammates are registered to vote and have November 3rd free from athletic obligations so we can all vote. Good. Very good. Very good. It's the most precious obligation we have as American citizens. So number one, very good. Number two, discuss with our presidents and administrators to further raise awareness about racial injustice and create initiatives to further empower our communities. Again, very good communication about what kinds of experiences these kids are having is a good thing. It's a good thing to get the powers that be into those conversations. Again, one and two, very good. Three, Create community outreach initiatives via clothing, food, school supply, and book drives, as well as amplifying current local organizations that are benefiting communities. Wonderful. Go out into the affected communities, affect change, make lives better yourselves. Take that upon yourself. Very, very good. Number four, normalize having routine conversations about change. 
i.e. policing legal rights addressing racial injustice. Between college football teams and our respective police departments, local governess and community leaders to build trust and empathy. Again, very good. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Start the conversations. Continue those conversations. That's what we're doing or trying to do right now on this podcast. Normalizing having difficult conversations. Good. Number five, on game days, we will use our platform to raise awareness via wearing shirts, utilizing statements on our helmets and jerseys, and playing tribute videos to recognize victims of racial injustice and share our own stories. Again, more good here. You have captive audiences on game days. Why not use that to your advantage to send messages? All very, very good. Love these college kids. Love the ideas. Okay, five-step plan, easy to follow, good for these kids. I applaud them. Here's what's missing, and, and here comes the controversy. We as a people, we as a country, to me, need to look inward first, and that's not being addressed. We have to look inward before we can look outward. Okay, five-step plan, love it, but in my opinion, they're Band-Aids to the root problems that we are facing as a country. And again, before we can look outward, we've got to look at ourselves as a people and do a self-examination. If we're going to be the best we can be in this country, it's time to have an uneasy conversation about an examination of conscience. This is what I do in my life. Well, I've learned to do it in my life. If I'm having an issue at home, at work, I've kind of learned that I am a, a, a very flawed human being. And typically when I look inward, and fix my own issues, whatever those issues are, then those problems I'm having kind of manage their way out. One of the reasons why white people, of which I am a card-carrying member, one of the reasons why white people, generally speaking, roll their eyes at the talk of race issues is because of this very thing. And yet nobody's going to say it because of the race card. It's the cancel culture we're living in right now. Nobody wants to be labeled a racist. That's why the conversation is stymied, because once we suggest looking inward, we run the risk of being called the R word. And that's it. Conversation's over with. Look, we see the problems. There are issues to fix. Love the five-point plan by these college football players. But why aren't we looking at the root issues first and foremost? There's a lot of victimization going on all over the country today. And I'm not saying that there aren't outside forces that are wrong, but we got to start looking inward before we can fix those outward problems. On the last Inez Says pod, we talked about the American family and how it's disintegrated before our very eyes. You cannot have a great country, folks. You cannot have a great country without great families. Cannot do it. And in the black community, the family has been obliterated since the mid-1960s to the point now where over three quarters of babies born into black families are of a single parent. The rampant fatherlessness of black families has to be addressed first and foremost. And frankly, it needs to be addressed all over America. Black, white, doesn't matter if America is going to get this thing back on track again. Where is the black man too? No, nobody wants to talk about this. Where is the black man? Straight talk here. Black men commit about half of all the murders in the United States. And when I read that stat this morning from a few sources, that was eye-popping because of the fact that, that black Americans make up about 13% of our population. Again, straight talk here. We got to get our house right. 
Let's not pretend that this is all about discrimination by the police and bigotry and racism by the police. Let's not pretend that this is all about the police and systemic racism. It's not. Let's not pretend that this is all about police hunting down black men because of the color of their skin. It's not. Does that happen? Yeah, it does. One time is too many. It's too many. But let's get to more real talk if we want to truly fix our problems in this country. Real talk, okay? This past weekend in Chicago, Labor Day weekend, 54 people were shot. 54 people were shot, most of them black people. 10 of those 54 died. One of those 10 people was an eight-year-old innocent little girl, black girl, who was simply riding in an SUV with her family on the south side of Chicago. Horrendous. How many kids, how many babies need to die before somebody calls attention to this? I'm trying on the podcast here. But one of the issues I have with the current Black Lives Matter narrative of so-called systemic racism, police brutality, is that if all black lives really mattered, why aren't stories like this about this little eight-year-old girl? Why aren't stories like this being talked about and reported on? Black on black crime. Why? I can answer that question because it doesn't fit the narrative that's out there right now. Black lives matter. And that's wrong. Truly, if all black lives mattered, an eight-year-old little precious girl being shot in the head, if all black lives mattered, why isn't this being talked about? Because it does not fit the narrative of police brutality of black people. It doesn't fit the narrative. And that's sad. That said, truly, if all black lives mattered, we'd be talking about these root issues. And by the way, yes, all black lives, all lives matter. It's hard to believe that an NBA announcer would be fired for saying as much. And that happened a few months ago. But that's the world we live in today. We got to get past that. We got to be able to talk about our problems. I am of the belief that one of the most overlooked tragedies of the black community today, and this maybe is for another pod in the future, is abortion. You look at the abortion rate in the black community. It's staggering. There have been roughly 44 million abortions in this country since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Nearly half of those babies have been black. And yet African-Americans comprise, again, 13% of our population. That, that is staggering. That's a tragedy. It's staggering. And again, black lives matter. Those babies' lives matter. And yet not a peep from BLM. Not a peep. But look, I'm, I'm not saying that racism, police brutality, I'm not one of those people who says "Ah, it's a myth it doesn't exist It, it does it does i'm not denying that there are not innocent black men sitting in our prisons right now there are okay but let's tell it like it is too many black people are dying at the hands of other black people and that fact is being ignored by the mainstream media and by blm they want to make us believe that this is a nation full of systemic racists and it's just not the case that's wrong, and it's corrosive to our, our nation's psyche. Another thing, let's talk about education now that we're at it. If black lives truly mattered to BLM, you've got to be addressing this huge problem. It is a big problem, especially in the inner cities here. Many of our inner city schools are failing our kids, and this is why I'm, I'm a huge proponent of school choice, because you look at the reading and math proficiency rates of our inner city students, folks, it's about as bad as it gets. And yet year after year, we throw money at the issue only to see these problems escalate. It's not going to get any better. I watched Rebecca Friedrichs, who was the founder of 
for kids and country. She was at the Republican National Convention uh, about a week and a half ago. She made a speech last week that I thought was awesome. And and I wrote one particular quote down from that speech. She says, the only way to keep a free republic is with a well-educated moral citizenry that can self-govern. That's it. That's so true. We see this more and more. Traditional public schools are pushing this garbage identity politics and this garbage victimhood instead. How about reading and writing and arithmetic? That might be for another pod as well, but it's it's time for education reform in this country in the form of school choice. Allow parents of these kids going to these failing schools to go to schools that are succeeding. Seems simple, doesn't it? Seems simple. And yet these teachers unions tied to the Democrat Party are against it. Why? It's all about power. And that's sad. And quite frankly, it's disgusting that our youth is being held hostage by politics and power. The education system must be reformed in this country. I love the fact that these college football players have taken the time to formulate this five-pronged plan. I absolutely love it. We've got to go further, and we need to be honest with ourselves. But if we really want to solve our issues and make this country great for everybody, we have to get past the whole victimization thing that's been taught in our country for years. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with how we're operating our lives. We have to look inward first to figure out the answers to our problems. All right, that's going to do it for Inez Says, pod number eight. I appreciate you being here today, and we'll see you next time here on the Inez Says podcast in the WDBO app.